Rich, why can you get off your phone for one minute and yeah, so we yeah, can sure, run sorry. the business? My God, what is it? Somebody is there an emergency? Is someone calling you? No. Well, what are you doing, huh? Playing a game. Oh boy. Well, I mean, I got to admit, mobile games are amazing. Yeah, they are for a lot of reasons. All right, so Rich, why are you, you're, you're like, let's talk about mobile games. And I'm like, oh, really? Candy Crush? Like, what the hell is there to say? Well, let me, let me, let me set it up a bit. We, we have a product called Aboard. Mm-hmm. Like we it's keep mentioning Aboard. Aboard.com. And we're about to launch. This is like, go back a few weeks. And they're like, what about onboarding? Let me, let me, I want to make an important point, which is, and I I keep making this point because I I just don't feel that the world is hearing me. When people think about startups, they think about code. Yeah. Maybe they think about design, but you know what they don't talk about? What? Onboarding and marketing. Onboarding is, let's define it for everyone. Onboarding is. Don't even define it. Let me describe it to you. Yeah. Describe it. Hi, welcome to Scurly Girl. We're going to tell you exactly how to play a Scurly Girl. We're going to set up your Scurly Girl avatar right now. Hit next. Hit next. Oh, look at And then it's like a little a little person dancing in a dress. Yep. I'm moving my arms around as I'm yep. talking to you. People can't see that. And you get to choose the colors. You can pick any color you want with a Scurly Girl dress. Yeah. And, and what they're actually doing, they're showing you the tools. So that's nice. You're figuring out the new skills. They're trying to make it fun. Yeah. And then and typically also the onboarding tends to point towards like, and if you want more colors for the dress, you can go to the Scurly Girl store. Yeah. I don't know why you're on these apps, but okay. Keep going with this example. I mean, so onboarding is about getting someone from a downloader to a regular user as much as you can do to make that happen. But you get about 10 seconds. You don't have, I mean, uh, so let's set it. I mean, yes, that's the hard part, right? Like, games are free. For the most part, yeah. Like, you can, there's a few you can buy. Yeah. 99%. There's actually, there's actually lists of games you can buy because they're so much less toxic than the free ones. They are much less toxic. Yeah. But most are free. And there is a... God, humans uh, are broken. Inverse correlation. Humans will spend their time like it is garbage. Let's not judge you, Ms. Paul. No, I'm just saying, like, you know what? Pony up two bucks for something that isn't just a hot poker in your eyeball every five seconds. Yeah. Or spend zero, but eventually give up your children's college money in order to get more golden coins. Exactly. We'll choose number two. Uh, And and when you choose number two, when, when something's free, there's literally, I mean, zero cost for trying it. Yep. And when if you're trying something for free, there's an inverse correlation between how much money you put into it mm-hmm. and how much time you're willing to commit to give it a shot. Mm-hmm. If you don't have to put any money into it, you'll casually give something a whirl for very, very short amount of time. So mobile game designers were left with this incredible challenge. Like, okay, wait, they can grab anything off the shelf. Yeah, They can taste anything they want. Mm-hmm. How do I make sure like salt, fat, and sugar hit their brains Within probably 20 seconds, and we said 10, it's probably like 20, 20 to 30 seconds, because 
they will uninstall the game. They won't just never go back in. They'll just get rid of it off their phone. I was thinking about this when people are like, what is enterprise software? Enterprise software is software that uh, you can spend two weeks training someone how to use it because it's so critical to their job. You've so essentially it, been told you have to play that and game. And so it, it may actually be very good software if once you learn to use it, or it may be terrible. It doesn't really matter. But that time will be spent and people will pay you to learn it. And then pay you to use it. This is the absolute opposite. This is you got it for free. They are waiting to get you in there so they can squeeze you and they need to keep you in the room. That's right. And so what you have is this very high stakes game. And the fall off for them is incredibly high. So like, how am I going to capture you and get you to not get frustrated, to not get annoyed, not wonder why you grabbed it in the first place. But more importantly, how do I get you to feel like you've achieved something in a very short amount of time? Right. Right. And I'll use a game for an example. It's a really fun game. It's in it's part of the Apple Arcade collection of games, which is you pay once and you get it's like Netflix for games. Right. The game's called Agent Intercept. Okay. Okay. Now, Agent Intercept is essentially you're you're driving a car that can shoot missiles. It's silly, like very like low stress move one finger move kind one of finger thing. kind yeah. of thing. And the car can become a plane sometimes or it can become a boat. It's like it's it's a silly game. Are you kind of running? Is it just sort of going forward the whole time? It's going forward the whole time. There's so no like, gas. No, so you know what another example like is this Temple Run. Temple Run, where, where same you style. Just, yeah. you just, you're already running and you just jump. Yeah. yeah. This is a little more, there's like an extra button, but very but basic. Some, here yeah. we go. And so the game kicks in and the way I like to look at really good onboarding is it's imagine you're watching a TV commercial and then Two-thirds into the commercial, the person in the commercial reaches through your screen and gives you a Dorito. Yeah, that's it's the dream. It's the dream, right? I said to, advertising's been trying to figure that out for 100 years now. I mean, it's essentially, okay, I've been passive. I saw it in the app store, passive consumer. I installed it. It's like it gave me the greeting screen, still a passive consumer. And then Agent Intercept took my hand and said, you're Agent Intercept. Come yeah. with me. The game starts and then overlaid over the video game, it my car's racing. I'm like, okay, that's a cool looking car. It's going pretty fast. It paused. The game paused mm. and a big goofy arrow pointed to a button and said, hit this and you will shoot out, shoot that helicopter in the sky. And your brain is going, I, I want to do that. I want to shoot that helicopter. I was going fast and now I'm not going. I got to hit the button. By the way, zero skill. Yeah. All they wanted me to do was hit the button. Hit the button. It was like a heat-seeking missile. It curved up and blew up the helicopter. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell you, I felt I felt like it was like a little mini religious experience. Oh, your brain goes, yeah. Yeah. Kept driving a bit more. And now they wanted me to understand that if I go over certain pods on the road, I get nitro-boost. Right? Mm-hmm. So it paused again, pointed to a, a little thing on the road. And it's like, if you run over this, you'll go twice as fast, mm-hmm. the language was. And then it unpaused, and I didn't do anything. It just ran over it. Of course. I was like, okay, I get that. Right? Yeah. And then at the end of this, a couple more little, little mini tiny lessons, the UI kind of lifted out, and it said something like, off you go. Save the world. So you, and you, the game kept going. You completed your mission, and you, you learned the basic skills, and now you're in it. You're actually in it. So 
the modality was eliminated. There's no setting screen. There's no start button. There was no nothing. Okay, as so soon we as I went we in, didn't go back to beginning, and now you have to choose your character. No, no, yeah. no, no. This it put me in the experience immediately, taught me through some nice reinforcement, and then let me. Mm-hmm. And that is to me. I know why am I talking about this game and and mobile games in general. This to me is essentially the gold standard of onboarding a user onto any anything anything imagine if you opened a box that had a vacuum cleaner in it and it somehow taught you instead of rummaging through the the the, the owner's manual that's in seven languages and for some reason like the other languages if you flip it backwards i guess maybe because it goes backwards or something i don't <laughs> but again what you want to do with software, all software, and we're learning this with a board, is you want to eliminate work. As soon as people feel like they have to do work to learn, right, um, it creates friction. And friction is your enemy in terms of adoption. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. Because, throw it. So I get it. I agree with you. I like what you're saying, but it's two buttons. Yes. Okay. I'm going to give you a counterexample. Which is, I'm into music and synthesizers, and no, no, hold on. So you can go online, and you can buy all kinds of synthesizers. Some of them are desktop modules, you plug stuff in, so on and so forth. But the ultimate interface, and there are many attempts to get around this interface, is 12 keys, and Mm -hmm. five are black and seven are white. Okay. That is an octave on a piano. Okay. And there's 88 keys on the full-size thing. Okay. Okay, and it is like, you're going back to to Western music theory and all kinds of stuff. But the reality yeah. is you have all these complicated electronics. You've added a synthesis or subtractive synthesis or FM synthesis. There's all these different manufacturers, so on and so forth. But there is one skill set that if you learn that basic skill set, and it opens up a world, it, it will, it is the interface. It is the defined interface to all of that world of sound shaping, all those different methods, yeah. all this stuff. And I feel the same way about the computer keyboard and windowing toolkits and so on. You have to, so I get what you're saying. And I think that like, there is the like, I'm going to give you the equivalent of a five course meal in, in tiny appetizer mm-hmm. jammed in your throat. So that, and then now we're playing the game. Yeah. And I think that that, that vibe and aiming for that is right. But there's a complicated thing going on where like, like a board is a good example. We're trying to get people to do roughly complicated stuff. We want them to save data into a space that's well organized. Okay. That's yeah. A very abstract thing. Yeah. And so, and then we need them to install a bookmark uh, or a, a plugin so, or, so they yeah. can do an extension on their, in their web browser and so on. Yeah. And so what we end up doing, and I'm curious, like, how do you, because we're thinking this through, where's your head at? Because we, we can't do the game. We can do one or two things, but we can't show them the whole app. You learn most of the game in those two button presses. Yeah. And it's, it's shallower. Yes. The skill set is much, much shallower yes. than learning to play a piano. It will or, still have about a hundred times the engagement of anything we ever build in our lives. But that, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, here's, here's, well, I, I, but I guess what I'm saying is like defend your metaphor because what we're trying to do is much harder. I have a two part answer. Okay. Okay. Um, and I've seen this sometimes. People have tried to gamify actual productivity software to get you to go through a process. Like if you do these five things, you get the blue ribbon. Right? Yeah. Like, 
and it's like you're and and sometimes they meter it it looks like a meter and it's like you you're you're three out of five there you got three steps in but you've only got two to go in my head i think of this as wizard culture this is a big yeah, part of, this is a big part yeah. of software for a long time which is like good enough wizard will solve every problem and it'll take you through each step that's right yeah that's right I, I think I have two answers. First off, I think you can do it. Okay. Why do I think you can do it? Because if I talk, took someone through a board and said, hey, let's walk you through a board and we're going to do this together, mm-hmm. right? And we're going to install the add-on. Once you install the add-on, I redirect your browser to a cool product uh, somewhere, like in a board hat. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now it shows, it says, click this button and you'll be able to add this hat to the board we created a little while ago. So you could do it. You could actually make a much more interactive experience. There are apps that do that. The problem with that is, it's not the problem. The, the challenge is it's a lot of more, lot more software. It costs money to produce all this other stuff to teach people about this is software. Real. Onboarding is a product unto itself. On, onboarding is a product unto itself. So now you're building, yeah, you build your code and then you got to design it and then you got to do it on mobile as well as web. And now you got to do onboarding on mobile as well as web. That's right. And have a marketing site and create the analytics and the funnel. So when people are building a product, they're actually building like seven or eight separate products. There's a, there's a, a pretty powerful productivity uh, workflow tool called Asana mm-hmm. that's out in the world. They put a lot of energy into this. They actually have this very wizardy step-by-step, let's not overwhelm you with buttons and switches. Yeah, I mean, Let's show the, you the baseline. It's the archetypal consumer productivity tool. Like, hey, it, it wasn't necessarily for businesses first. It was for you to pick up so you could organize your stuff. Yeah, and they put, they, you could see there's probably a team of designers that just were focused on that onboarding. Sure. So it's doable, but it's like, it feels counterintuitive. It's like, wait a minute, the real meat's over here. We built all this great software. Now I got to build more software to explain the software? That seems crazy to me. Well, also the the equivalent for us, we have a lot of features and things that our product can do. The equivalent of the onboarding for the game for us is like 40 minutes long. It would be a lot. That's this my second point. Okay. Which is the learning curve for that game is about a minute, mm-hmm. two minutes. Ours is a lot longer, right? And so I think... I think this relates to your synth point, which is I could explain to you conceptually, you know, the 12 keys that make up all of music. That doesn't mean you're going to be really good at it. No. It doesn't mean anything at all, actually. It just means I just educated you on some piece of information. The rest is kind of on you. You see this a lot with software because software people tend to be first principles types. So they often want to educate you on like, hey, you know, here's what a letter A is. You know, you're just like, calm down, everybody. That's right. Um, Here's the most bitter pill to swallow for anybody that makes software. Uh, nobody, except for very few people, sees software as an end in itself. They see it as good enough to export the PDF. Once that PDF has been exported, you could die. I don't care if you die. You like, know, I'm done with you. You know how you can tell the difference? I, I, I realize there is a very clear filter. Yeah. Do they go into settings just to look around? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Ninety-nine percent of people are never going into settings just to look around. I've I've explained how to do a certain thing on like on a PDF, like how to sign a PDF for someone, and I, it was like an extra three steps because it was annoying. They weren't using like the right tool or whatever. Uh huh. And they just yell. They're like, "That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen." I do. They love, end up getting insulted. I love like, being. Look, look, you signed your document. That's yeah. the stupidest thing no, I've you ever get, seen. You get blamed for all software. You get blamed yeah. for it. 
most people don't care and don't have the patience. And so how do you get around that? How do the big games do it? All right, so let's take a, like a Call of Duty or uh, you know one of the the Sid Meier like simulation type, like a, civ- a civilization. Yeah. There's a million things you can do in civilization. Yes, there is. Okay. How do they get people excited and motivated to learn all that stuff? You know, I, I think games have an advantage over like apps. Yeah. And the advantage they have is it, it good game designers um, are flipping the right switches in your brain. Like role-playing games are a great example of well, it's literally games. Julius Caesar will pop up and say, "Like, looks like I need some more money." You know, just yeah. I mean, they're hitting, they're hitting, like, they're hitting the collecting and hoarding and creating wealth nerve, yeah. territorial they're, expansion. They're hitting the if I shoot this missile, it will blow everything up nerve. Yeah, like these are these are things that my son wants a crossbow. Of course. I mean, every son does. You know, in my neighborhood when I first moved in on the mailing list, I didn't know where like. Someone was just shooting crossbows in general, and in they were going into people's houses. Jesus, yeah. like a sharp arrow. Yeah, crossbow? yeah, no, like it was somebody who was going out in their backyard who might have had a little some, some stuff going on in their brain. They weren't aiming for people. It's just like people would wake up and be like, "What did, did you hear that?" And it'd be a crossbow just like in their foyer. Oh, Jesus! Yeah, That's so the, terrifying. The, the cops visited, and you know, he was in maybe it was somebody older who lived with their parents. It was that kind of thing. Got it. So anyway, that, just but a little, little reinforces side my point. Games are able to, first off, games are social. A lot of games are online. Yeah. And so that there's the competitive aspect there. But also, it just, there's all sorts of ways to hit the dopamine, like release that dopamine through gaming. They also are narratives. And so they get to work training you into the narrative. Yeah, It'll be like, they all train, by the way. Even civilization. What they often do No, is, or like a, you know, a game like Last of Us where it'll be like, hey, I found this gun, but I'm sad. Yes. You know, just. But back to my earlier point. If I paid 60 bucks for that game, I'm more inclined to commit my time to see it through. Like the idea, there's no refund, right? Whereas a mobile game, like that's why I think it is the gold standard because they're like, they paid nothing. Mm-hmm. They, we have a sliver of their attention because they're probably thinking about something else and we have to somehow win them over. So that you, is in a very extreme, extreme, like, you know what that is, though? pressure cooker moment. That is sales. It's sales, 100%. That is, the, that is the absolute epitome of sales. It's just like they are about to get distracted and you have to tell them why this is in their best interest. I want to end it on this thought, which is I view onboarding as a continuum of marketing. You just happen to have like gone through this like very simple picket fence, but you're still marketing. Well, let, me ask you, let me ask you a genuinely hard question. I know we're trying to end this, but I, this this fascinates me, right? Because there is onboarding and marketing. Okay, continuum. What about, where's product lift relative to this? Is it separate? It's That's a great question. Um, Very, product, like, like, um, like a lot of the things that get advertised on YouTube, it's not, right? Like you're in there and I'll give you an example. When you use Airtable, and not necessarily a big YouTube advertiser, but when you use Airtable, it is upselling you a lot on various features and various functions. Yes. Right. So, so the actually to gain access to the software and to use the tool, mm-hmm. you are part of the onboarding and marketing campaign. Like they yes. are, they're completely connected. Yes, they are. They are. Um, I think one of the mistakes product thinkers do, myself included, is that we believe we are marching towards some 
nirvana state of product that has nothing to do with oh, people. We're, we're going to solve it. We're going to solve it. Right? Yeah. And and what we do is we show people the door. We actually, it's actually very a good product manager is actually quite dismissive and condescending towards humans mm-hmm. because they have this principled belief that the thing is stands on its own and you must all come to the tower and pray to the tower. They all believe that. And it's actually not a bad belief to a certain point. But man, humans are going to humble you so freaking fast. You And so the best product thinkers synthesize human need with that sort of stubborn idealism around what a great product should be. Because I am a believer in like, let's learn from a small cohort of users and really refine and tweak. I do believe that, but I don't believe that's all there is. Because I'm going to tell you something, pull to refresh did not come out of research. It went. It came out of someone who was crazy enough to say, if this feels rubbery when mm-hmm. I pull on it, why don't we do that to refresh data instead of making well, no one, a bar? No one asked for that. No, no one, one asked said, for that. Could it, feel like it, could it feel like I'm pulling a rubber band? Some of the most interesting innovations come from outer space. Well, right? you, know, you know where they do actually focus on creating experiences like that is games. Yes, that's right. The, games. The more tactile, the more responsive, and it doesn't feel, it feels weird and interesting. It doesn't feel alien. The problem with, with apps is that if you go anywhere far afield, I remember once I tilted a close button like 30 degrees just to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. And everybody got angry. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, you yeah, yeah. You can't change anything. You can't change anything. And so I think, I think pro- to me, product is you, um, I have an analogy. This this podcast is dragging, but this is a good topic. I have an analogy. Um, the director's cut. I, I just yeah. found out, by the way, Ridley Scott's like Napoleon, which is coming out, is yeah. like it went north of four hours. And he was like fully convinced that Catherine, Caroline or Catherine, whatever his wife was. Josephine. Josephine. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. Uh Josephine's story, the plot line was necessary for the whole thing. So it gets to the studio. And that is the, that's the product manager. That's mm-hmm. the product thinker and think, I have unlocked Napoleon and Josephine. So here we are, four hours, gets to the studio. So he's like, the hell's this? You got to lop off an hour and 20 no, minutes. No, no, they shouldn't have. They should have done an intermission. Or I want, I want, man, who wants that? Why is the studio doing? Be- because they need people to see the movie. They did not only that, they want people to see the movie, but they, they are like, you are a genius, your vision unrivaled, but people are going to buy Mike and Ike's and we need them to like it and we need them to tell see, you to tell I their friends. I think what's wild is in 2023, you're, you might have better luck with the four hour disaster than with the two hour nice trim tight Napoleon. You think so? I think people, it's like Oppenheimer Barbie together. Like people are looking for spectacle and, and a little bit of an endurance test. Yeah. More than they're looking for, like a tight narrative that fits. They they have they're oversupplied with that. Yeah, absolutely. So like the fellas will go out and go see the four hour Napoleon. Yeah, I was also reading yesterday that um you know um uh Dave Gilmore, the guitarist for Pink Floyd, never played a solo through when he recorded it for the albums. He would play the same solo many times, and they would stitch together the best one. I mean, that's how you should do it. You're you're using recording technology. Yeah, yeah. and and but you. Could, you know, a certain certain Gilmore would might say that's utterly insulting. The way you're chopping up my music, my creation into little pieces. No, humans are going to have their say. Yeah. So product is like 
okay, I believe in a thesis. I'm going to pursue it. And then it gets put in front of humans. And then, frankly, onboarding is just fully understanding that humans are going to touch your thing. I'm going to, I'm going to come at this and then let's close this out. I'm going to come at this from another We've angle. We've been threatening to end this podcast for 15 We're minutes. We're going to end it now. So I think what, when, when I'm asking that question, it almost feels like, oh, here we go. Like we're going to make marketing and product one and the same and blah, blah, blah. Is that what? I would actually argue from a different point, which is they are one and the same everywhere. Okay. Yeah. The funnel that gets people into the product and gets them to sign up to go to the onboarding and then they start using it and you want to tell them about new tools and now there's the pro version and now they're there. That is how software works today. You don't, you don't get a CD and install it. It is this continuous long-term relationship with newsletters and media and info and so on. It's a relationship. It is a relationship. And so what you should be doing is figuring out how your product quality, what is, what are your goals? What are, what is your quality? How are you going to build that relationship? Yeah. And I mean, look, this is what we're trying to do, but more than trying to keep those worlds separate and being like, well, this is the pure product space over here and this is onboarding and like, yeah. let's not get those all mixed up now. Accept that they're all of a piece and then figure out like, what are the ethical boundaries here? What do people expect? How do we keep their trust? Because what happens, mm -hmm. I actually would argue that because they're separate worlds, marketing and so uh -huh. trust gets violated more often because the marketers go off and are like, all right, take the data, sell more copies. Here well, we go. Well, they're promising, you know, you'll lose 10 pounds in three weeks. And the product- the And pro the product people always flip out. Like, they what can never doing? keep it. Everybody's- if we're building an org that is really trying to get software across in, in, in this day and age, like I think you got to actually see them all of, as one piece in order to preserve the value. Yeah. Product marketing is a bona fide title that exists. Yes, that's right. Product marketing is that to yeah. some extent. You see it in consumer goods much, much more so. Like, no, but I mean, this... what colors, like they test out the colors of Pop Tarts packages yeah. and see which but one. But the CMO can make just as much as the chief product officer because they're close to revenue. They're closer, arguably. Yeah, arguably. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, this was an excellent podcast. Oh, just the one best. Of our better We're, ones. Just... We're so great. Oh, my God. Um, check out aboard at aboard.com. It's a great tool, it's free. We're in beta. Mobile app is coming very soon. I'm not going to bore you with what it does. You could just go to board.com and find out. It's a pretty good marketing website. Very good marketing right, website. Right there at the top of the yeah. funnel. All right, everybody. At Ziotti Ford on Twitter. Hello at ZiottiFord.com if you need us via email. And we love you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye.